Another episode of The Healing Podcast, brought to you by Marin Health Medical Center, formerly Marin General Hospital. Here's Bill Klaproth. According to the NIH, major depression is one of the most common mental disorders in the United States. Left untreated, depression can lead to serious health complications, including putting your life at risk. Here to talk with us about depression is Kristen wolcott Faris, a licensed clinical social worker at Marin General Hospital. Kristen, thank you for your time. First off, what causes depression in people? Well, that's a very big question. You know, depression is a very complex disease, and there's no one answer to that. Brain chemistry and sometimes brain structure are always components of depression. Genetic inheritance can make some people more susceptible to mood disorders like depression. Our temperament can really influence our stress response, which can in turn influence emotional resilience in the face of stress. Habits of thinking are often looked at when people are struggling with depression. The way that we think about ourselves and things that happen to us can really contribute to and reflect core beliefs about ourselves and uh, make people more susceptible to depression. Chronic stress or trauma, we've talked about this in a previous podcast about the nervous system getting stuck in overdrive when people face uh, trauma or chronic stress, and this is a very common experience of people who are depressed. Overactivation of the nervous system usually occurs when the stressors that people are experiencing exceed the resources somebody has at the time to cope. And so the nervous system can get stuck in this state of activation, and it can look like panic or anxiety, irritability, hypervigilance, or more symptoms of collapse like withdrawal, isolation, anhedonia, which refers to just a loss of pleasure and things that generally provide pleasure to people, Uh, lethargy, seasons, or limited exposure to daylight can induce depressive symptoms in some people. And then finally, medical problems and medications always need to be ruled out as a source of any mood disturbance. So when you said this is a big question, uh, you really meant it. So very complex, and a lot of factors can contribute to depression. So how do we identify this in someone then? What are the common signs or symptoms? Um, Well, you know, a lot of people equate depression with sadness, and that is certainly usually a component of depression. But sadness doesn't really encapsulate depression completely. Um, It's really more about being stuck with with limited to no ability to feel any intense emotion. And so when we're looking at depression, we're looking at significant changes in mood, behavior, thinking, physical symptoms that get in the way of functioning. So mood changes are like sadness, irritability, sense of emptiness. The affect of somebody who's depressed is usually very restricted or blunted. Um, In other words, they're not showing a wide range of emotions. Behavior can include social isolation or withdrawal, um, agitation or kind of retardation in a psychomotor, uh, tearfulness, uh, you know, difficulty getting out of bed, uh, active suicidal behaviors like planning a suicide, um, passive suicidal behaviors like engaging in activities that could result in harm or death or not really caring if one stays alive or wakes up in the morning, uh, self-harm, and substance abuse are also behavioral signs of depression. So look for those changes in moods or changes in attitude or even lifestyle. If someone is having trouble getting out of bed or you know doesn't want to get out of bed, wants to stay in their room and things like that. So if we recognize these symptoms in a friend or loved one, what should we do? 
I think it's important to let your loved one know what you're observing and let them know that and just encourage them to seek help in the form of a psychotherapist who may in turn also refer to a psychiatrist for evaluation. Since suicidal thinking can sometimes be a symptom of depression, it's always important to ask your friend or loved one if they're having any thoughts of harming or killing themselves. You know, a lot of people don't know what to say to somebody who's depressed. There's a well-known researcher named Brene Brown, who's, who's all over the internet now, who talks a lot about empathy versus sympathy. And so one of the suggestions is that it's important to just learn how to be with somebody, even saying, I, I don't know what to say right now. I'm just so glad you told me, rather than needing to feeling like you need to provide advice or the perfect response. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Now, you mentioned therapy in there. Can you share other forms of treatment? Sure. Well, you know, the, generally for people who are stuff, struggling with a clinical depression, the treatment of choice is a combination of medications and psychotherapy. Oftentimes, it's really important for people to go on some medication just to provide that floor so that they can build some skills and work on managing their emotions differently. And when it comes to other treatment options, are there natural ways people can put into practice to manage this on their own? I'm, I'm thinking, you know, mindfulness and meditation. Are there ways that can help? Yes, absolutely. People who are suffering from depression often have the inclination to withdraw or isolate, and the opposite is really what's needed. And so finding connections informally, you know, with friends and family or more formally, with therapy, recovery groups. The, the theme is connection. Uh, the group modality for treatment, either formal or informal, is really a central component of treating depression. So what is the long-term outlook for this? Uh, I feel like, my opinion, that we're starting to pay more attention to mental health. It's part of the conversation now. We're not trying to shove it in the corner and forget about it. It's out there. We know about this. We know it's a problem. We need to take care of it. Do you see us trending towards really recognizing this and accepting it and treating it like it should be? I do. Depression, anxiety, um, other mental illnesses are really becoming more and more part of the public discourse. Um, and I just see a lot of opportunities for new, really important things to come out of that. It's no longer shoved in the corner, really. I, I personally see a lot of hope in the renaissance of the group modality for treatment. The opportunities for connection to share experience is extremely therapeutic. And then I think, as you mentioned earlier, just the, the impact. There's a lot of research now going on um, on the impact of mindfulness and self-compassion, gratitude practices, the impact that that can have on regulating emotions in the brain. So neuroscience is really at the cutting edge of understanding the causes and most effective treatments for depression. And then one more thing that I'm noticing is the, just the increasing use of the body in treatments, so really teaching people how to settle their nervous system. You know, that's becoming more mainstream in treatment for a variety of mood disorders. Well, that's good to know, Kristen. Thank you for sharing that with us. And last question for somebody listening to this. Obviously, they're listening because either they are depressed or they may be listening because they fear this in a loved one, possibly. What's your best advice for that person listening right now? 
Well, first, to, just to know that you're not alone. I read a statistic recently. It's over 15 million people in the U.S. are affected by depression. You know, many people don't recognize depression for what it is, or maybe they've lived with it for a long time, um, and they might not be aware that depression uh, is a disease that's very treatable. Depression is not a weakness. It doesn't uh, reflect a flaw. It's something that uh, reflects some chemical shifts in the brain that can be treated. And then just also normalizing how how much courage it really takes to treat depression, in part because it really does tend to often implicate others or require one to make changes, and so that it is scary to rock the boat, uh, but it is um, essential. It's really something that uh, once people can learn to approach this and get the help that they need, people really do find a lot of freedom and movement on the other side. Kristen, great thoughts, and always remember you are not alone. Kristen, thank you again for your time. For more information, visit MarinGeneral.org. That's MarinGeneral.org. I also want to let you know, Kristen and I did a podcast on identifying suicide risk, the best ways to help a loved one. I just want to pass that along. You can find that on the Marin General podcast page. You've been listening to The Healing Podcast brought to you by Marin Health Medical Center, formerly Marin General Hospital. And for more information, go to MyMarinHealth.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, please share it on your social channels and be sure to check out our full podcast library for topics of interest to you. I'm Bill Klaproth. Thanks for listening.